Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of In the Zone. I'm Giancarlo Alino, and of course, we're here with Chris Martelli and Anthony Piniello. Uh, we're going to start off with one of the hottest news stories coming out in sports, and that's the NHL. The NHL players are its turning into like pro wrestling shoot promos and shoot interviews. Got Chris Chelios going on spitting chiclets, talking about Mike Babcock being a not-so-great individual, bullying the mule Johan Franzen. Uh, last week was so positive when we had Mr. Babcock for giving his thoughts that, you know what, if... Chris Chelios gets to go on a platform like Spitting Chicklets. It's only right that Mikey gets to come on in the zone and give his side of the story. We're going to give him a platform. So uh, from now, we're going to give the segment. We're going to call it Mikey's Minute. And Mikey, uh, thanks again for coming on. Well, you know, it's an honor to be here. Uh, not under the circumstances that I wanted, but it's happy to see you boys. First off, like Chris Chelios, what, what are your thoughts on him and what's this whole deal with Johan Franzen? Well, you know, with, with Chelios, it's a, it's a weird one for me. He's a great player. He's played a long time, but, you know, I don't really know where he's coming from. I gave that son of a bitch everything and then he comes out. He just wants to be popular and, you know, he's, he's, uh, he sees the way the world is trending and he wants to jump on board with that. And it's kind of pissing me off because I love Chrissy and I really don't know what happened. Well, Babs, uh, I mean, like, Johan Franzen was a great playoff performer for you, but... You know, he, he dealt with, with depression, anxiety, and a lot of people are saying that you were the main reason why, you know, like he hasn't played in a while. So can you kind of, you know, clarify that? Like, well, you know, there are a lot of factors that uh, play into being an NHL player, and maybe I am a little tough on certain players, but that's just too fucking bad. That's my method, and I apply it with brilliance, and if, uh, if the mule can't handle that, maybe he shouldn't be in the league in the first place. Ever yeah. thought about that one? Uh, uh, well, okay, la- last question before. I know you're a very busy guy. You know, you got a lot of shit to do, but, um, you know, with the whole Bab Sox thing, whatever. But uh, Franzen or Hyman, which one do you like more? You creep fucking Zachy is the savior of the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're going to throw the mule at me, that soft little sweet. I'll take Zachy all day. I threw the foundation into him a long time ago. He's going to lead the Leafs to a Stanley Cup. You mark my words. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, Mike. It was great having you, and uh, maybe next week we'll have you back. I'm sure someone will say something, boys. I'm looking forward to it. Well, that was Mike Babcock. You know, again, I don't know what's been going on with the NHL, man. Like, it's become... A dramatic. It's like a. It's like the NHL just became a thirteen-year-old girl. Like, oh my god! Like someone just kicked me in the ass. Oh, fucking physical assault. Oh, cry me a river. Like even this whole Mark Crawford thing. Like what? Wh- why is it coming out now? And why is he getting suspended now? Like out of all the guys, one of the baddest guys to like ever play the game, Sean Avery says, oh, Mark Crawford, when I played, he, he, he kicked me in the ass one time because I, like, I wasn't working hard enough. And then all of a sudden, Chicago puts out a statement, oh, yeah, we're, uh, <laughs> we're putting Mark Crawford on a leave of absence. So what are you guys' thoughts on this as a whole? I know it's happened with Bab- Babcock's had a really rough couple weeks. I mean, look at him. He looked tired today in the studio. He didn't look, he didn't look like himself. But what are you guys' thoughts on this, man? Like, the players are starting to turn on the head coaches. For Bill Peters, if it's something like that, like that's I can understand when racism is involved, but like Crawford, that's two thousand what five six. He's talking about Crawford's been in and out of the league, so you would think these stories would come out in like two thousand ten, ten years ago, maybe when Avery wasn't playing anymore. I don't know what to make of it. What can Chicago really do? They're gonna suspend him for something that happened back then. Like there's an, unless there's evidence on Chicago that he's kicking people in the back. I don't know, but. Maybe they're going to have to ask every player in Chicago, has he done this this year? If the answer is no, then I guess you 
give him his job because there's not really much you can do about that. I feel like these a lot of these things should be kept inside the dressing room because you hear on like radio stations, like people talk all the time. It happens all the time. Coaches are always screaming at their players and maybe it's just a, a different way to try to motivate you. But I was saying before we went on, like that's that's just the old school mentality. Like Babs is getting ripped for it and now Crawford and Peters, but like I feel like most coaches are like that. It literally started with Don. It really just no. depends uh, what just players are like, like what players are confident enough and feel comfortable enough to come out and say these kinds of things now. But the Peters one's a little bit of a, it's more of a tricky situation. Yeah, the, yeah. Pe- the Peters one I agree with. Um, you, you should never really use any racial slurs to any player. It doesn't matter how close you are. It doesn't matter how important he is to the team. Like, But, yeah, the Mark Crawford thing kind of came out of nowhere. I thought it was actually a joke at first when I saw it. I was like, okay, this is like becoming a meme now where coaches are getting canned or released or leave of absence. And then, oh, but it's, that's actually true. And it's like, well, Mark Crawford – He's, a, he, he's been a head coach for quite some time as well. He coached uh, Austin Matthews uh, in 2016 in Switzerland. And Austin Matthews only had great things to say about him. He actually helped him with his development. So, yeah, this one's a head-scratcher with Sean Avery because that guy was one of the toughest guys in the dressing room, and he shouldn't be complaining about that stuff, I don't think. But moving forward, I uh, just want to quickly talk about, you know, you want to talk about some awful teams? <laughs> we got to, you know, like, okay, we usually talk about good things in hockey, but right now we got to focus more on the bad. Um, I actually watched Alexis Lafreniere a couple days ago. He looks like a fucking freak. He looks really good. Um, he's looking like he's going to make the World Juniors, so we're going to watch him. Boxing Day, you know, the usual. Um, but Detroit, they've lost eight straight games, and guys, they've been outscored by 56 goals. They've already allowed 119 goals. Is it safe to say that this team is maybe purposely tanking, or do you guys actually think that they are actually this bad of a team? I think they're this bad of a team. It's unfortunate because, again, I was telling Alito on the way here, we've been waiting for them to fall off for so long, uh, like 2010, 11, 12, and they would still, like, crack and, like, make the playoffs. But you look at the team and you're like, where the hell's the next group of guys and there's only two or three guys on this team that you really look at that uh, are potentially here for the long run. This year seems like a wash for the Wings, and it's unfortunate. They're probably a lottery team, them and another team in their conference, uh, or division, I should say. But, yeah, I'm not feeling it with the Wings. It's uh, I think this is going to consistently be the story. Yeah, I think Iserman, he's going to turn it around probably like a couple of years, but for now they are really this bad. And I think it's just for Detroit, it's like a wake-up call because Zetterberg's not walking in the dressing room. Datsuk's not walking in the dressing room anymore. Lidstrom's not walking in the dressing room. Those are the guys that held it down and allowed them to even make the playoffs when there were years they probably didn't even deserve it if they didn't have those guys. So with Iserman getting all these picks, getting all these younger players and building a new culture in that team, eventually it'll work. But I think with... Detroit will take longer than it did for Tampa when he was in charge there. Oh, for sure. Like their best players are um, Larkin's 22 years old. Mantha's, what, 23? 25, maybe. 25. So those are the yeah. guys that are lead. They're still relatively new in the NHL. They've been in for a few years, but those are your leaders. They're still in their early 20s, and they got to lead the way, and it's going to be a lot of growing pains for them. I mean, for Detroit, they have a lot of problems with keeping players. I mean... You have Larkin, who's a great player. Uh, I, I still believe he is the full-on captain of this franchise moving forward. 
But man, like there's been something wrong with him this year. I've I've actually seen a couple games, believe it or not. Like I don't like enjoying watching Detroit, but I've seen them on TV. It's on TV. I'll watch it. Why not? And Larkin has just not looked confident at all. I mean, when you're a player of his caliber, you should have confidence. It doesn't matter how bad you are. Like look at look at the Phil Kessel leaps. That guy was leading the team consistently every year. Maybe near the tail, like near the end of his career in Toronto, that was when he started getting pissed off and flustered and stop asking me stupid questions and all that. But I don't really know, guys. Like I'm looking at Detroit and they don't have any blue chip prospects in any any position. Zadina, okay, maybe I think it depends who you talk to. Maybe Zadina. Zadina's got the skill, but again, he hasn't transitioned as well as a lot of people. Michael Rasmussen. Big question mark. I have no idea. Chalowski, he's looking pretty good for uh, for Detroit. He's eating up 20 minutes, but their number one D right now is Mike Green, and he's been injury prone as basically since 2014. And their goalies, Jimmy Howard and Jonathan Bernier, that is not good enough to even be like a tenth seed in the East. I'm sorry, and they just traded for Eric Comrie. Do you guys think Eiserman has a plan? You think maybe with Comrie to Maybe become the starter eventually? I mean, he's certainly got a chance. Howard's been there, it seems like, forever. And, I mean, Bernier's a serviceable backup. But you look at Comrie and his his rise to becoming a pro, he's he's definitely got a chance there. You mentioned the, the prospects before, all of the young guys they have. Those are all, like, middle-of-the-draft kind of guys. So you look at Detroit and where they're going to finish, this is a very big year for them. It is. To draft possibly a Lafreniere or someone just after or that. Or a byfield. Yeah, They'll yeah, be exactly. right there. Well, that's basically all I want to talk about about Detroit, but now I kind of want to get into um, Montreal. We saw the Leafs. I really don't even want to bring it up, but they were awful from maybe Halloween on. But, you know, Sheldon Keefe came in, and we've been pretty solid ever since. But let's talk about Montreal. Uh, Recently, damn, they've been awful. Kokanyemi has not been good. Um, I would basically say their two best players have been Weber and probably Thomas Tatar. Um, just what are you guys' thoughts overall? I know Carey Price last year, he had a great season. He kind of made Montreal a bubble team when we literally looked at them and we're like, this team actually is laughable. Like, they're not good. Like, they have Armia, Gallagher, like, on top lines. Denal, I don't know. Like, Denal for me, he's great. He's not a first-line center, but he's a good player. But do you guys think uh, Carey Price could uh, turn this team into a playoff team? I thought if Shea Weber, like before the season started, I was saying like Shea Weber, how important he was to the team. How if he plays consistently and he's healthy, this team could make the playoffs. The way Carey Price has played, he's not doing them any favors. And I don't think Shea Weber is a problem here. I think now it's opening a lot of eyes. Maybe Carey Price isn't that guy anymore. And maybe it's time that they ask themselves that question. They did it with Pacioretty. Bergevin has to look at these guys. Maybe it's time we trade Carey Price. Send them packing. Wow, what would the return be for that? <laughs> if, for if, right? oh, my. oh my god. Well, I want a goalie back 100%. Yeah. yeah. Eric Comrie, Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would definitely be one of the one of the goalies in uh, in Philly. <laughs> they drafted like oh, four the other year. Though, yeah. <laughs> well, no, they, no, they know Carter Hart's their number one. Um, who else do they have? Like Stolers. They drafted like two other Russian or uh, Swedish goalies. They had Fukale. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> But they kind of look like the Leafs two weeks uh, leading up to the Babs firing. 
So, like, they, they look lost out there and no one can really score. And I feel bad for Weber and <laughs> Price. And they waved uh, Kincaid. I've, I don't really know why. Like, they, yeah. they just kind of look off right now. Like, I think they, they're better than they are. They're kind of like a middle-of-the-pack team, but I do think they're better than they are. And they'll snap out of it at some point. You think you should trade Weber, though? Like, because I think there's... Oh, only time there's probably a market for him. If you yeah. look at his contract, I I I know for sure that Gallagher is like a mainstay with Montreal. I don't think they're ever going to trade him, but I feel like at this point it's either Price, Gallagher, or Drouin that have to go. Because Domi's found his groove in Montreal, I wouldn't move him. Whereas Drouin, you've seen flashes of it, but again, he still has not been as consistent as a Domi the last two seasons. So. Drouin's 24 years old. He's still young. You could probably get something back for Drouin. Uh, even like a Victor Mete to me is an intriguing option to maybe like move because he's not playing enough minutes. Uh, he was supposed to be that offensive defenseman. They drafted him, I think, in the fourth round. And Jeff Petrie's been amazing for them ever since going there. And it's hilarious because Edmonton needs a guy like a Petrie. And they had him. And <laughs> that's basically it. But let's talk more about the points right now. Um, the leaderboards. McDavid has 51 Dreisaitl is 50. Are both these, are both, okay, when it's all, when it's all said and done, is Dreisaitl and McDavid, are they going to go down as like one of the greatest duos of all time? Because it looks like they're going to hit both back-to-back 100-point seasons. And pairings usually don't do that. <laughs> it's uh, very possible, yeah. And uh, they're both very, they're both, they're very dominating and they can take control of a game, but they're both very different. That's what intrigues me about them and seeing them play together. They just they bounce off each other very well, and no one can seem to have an answer for them. And no. I literally mean them, not the team. <laughs> yeah, if they don't win a cup, though, they could be the best duo to not win a cup and go down in history is for a wrong reason. But if they can win a cup, where they're in that discussion of like Lemieux, Yager, Gretzky, Messier, and all those guys, because these two guys are going to dominate for us. Ever long as they're playing together on the same team, because Edmonton, they don't have any other players that can do that. Do you guys see maybe a Taylor Hall going to Edmonton? I know, I know. There's you never say never. I mean, look at the look at the Golden State, look at the Lakers, like the super teams on super teams. It's happened before. If Taylor Hall were to go to Edmonton, and you have Hall, McDavid, and Drysaddle on a line, how many points does that line get? And could that maybe put Edmonton over the hump? Because Taylor Hall, basically when I watched um, the quiz two weeks ago, they made it seem like Taylor Hall is gone. He's not staying in New Jersey. He's gone. And the teams apparently that have the best trade offers that I've been hearing have been Edmonton and San Jose. So I don't really see Taylor Hall going to a West team. But if it were, if it were to be a West team, do you think it could be an Edmonton uh, for me, it's kind of embarrassing if Edmonton were to pump those tires again after goofing on the on the way out. Do you think he would go Larson. back there? Because he said he wants to play playoff hockey. He has like stated that as a fact. Do you think Edmonton has a better chance than New Jersey though? Like they're kind of the they're kind of the same. I'll really. say I'll say right now, yes, right yeah. now, just yeah. right now. But but like if you told me New Jersey over Edmonton, I'd be like, I, I guess I see your point. But well, I said that before. Yeah, in the yeah. summer I said they would be better because they added Subban and Hughes and you think right <laughs> Simmons and all these guys, and they have not. Subban's been holy crap. He's been awful. Um, 
Edmonton's a tough one, though, because um, they're obviously not going to trade Larson for him. It's going to be a very big package. He w- he's won the Hart Trophy since being traded. Uh, it's probably going to be like Nuge, Bouchard. I, I just don't see it. It's a, To me, it's so sad if Edmonton were to... It's like, okay, we realize we fucked up. We'll do anything we can to get him back, and they're a two-man team anyway. But that's what think, they're uh, saying. It's actually becoming a meme. It's it, That's what's happened, man. It's actually hilarious. Uh, Shirelli is hilarious. I, think, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't see what he starts. Like it's, It is Shirelli, so I won't count anything out, but I'm a hard no on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't see it. I think San Jose is the place he's going. Yeah, because, like, can they afford that, though? They'll have to trade they, a they have They have the pieces, I think, to, to get rid of them. They have the players to get rid of. If Evander Kane went the other way, just we're just shooting the shit here. Like, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a player Edmonton would uh, really love. Evander, they, Evander they Kane. They don't have much of that over there. Oh yeah, put him on the second line with the Nuge. Yeah, good to go. I mean, let's say Taylor Hall went to San Jose. All right. Let's just say he did. What What do you think New Jersey would want back? Because I know that. Myers great, Hurdle's great. Um, Couture, he's just became their captain. They're not trading him. Mario Ferraro, like I don't really know any young guys they have. Who do you think they can maybe trade for Taylor Hall? Because again, when you win a Hart Trophy, your trade value skyrockets. Doesn't matter if you're injured, if you've played 25 games, whatever. He's he's a, he's a player, Taylor Hall. So who, what would you trade for uh, if you're San Jose to get him? <laughs> Probably looking at a first, their best prospect, and a pretty good roster player. But for me, the injuries absolutely play uh, a factor. Because when Hall misses time, it's half the fucking season. And I don't want to trade everything I have for a player that's going to play 41 games. So even though he's an amazing talent, I'm not I'm not going to the bank for Taylor Hall. That's just me. And it's a uh, contract year. So his contract's up at the end of the year. Maybe New Jersey just cut their losses, get a, any first-round pick they can get out of him. And if he's able to uh, sign a contract, they have the conditional pick in there, maybe a second next year. But this is, like, the only time New Jersey has. Do you, do you think uh, Taylor Hall could do something like Duchesne did? What do you mean exactly? Like, he's in the exact same situation as Duchesne was last year, where it's like, I'm a UFA. Um, I know I'm not signing with this team, and they probably can't afford me, so I'm going to go. I'm going to be a really hot rental player. I'll get a lot back. And then maybe he'll sign with a team. But I don't know. Like, Matthew Shane has been with, what, four teams? No, three. Four? Four teams in the last three years. So <laughs> I really don't want that to happen to Taylor Hall. I feel like that would really bite at his confidence. But I feel like that's more of like a, that's going to be a recurring theme nowadays. I feel like if if you're a UFA and you're really good and, you're try, and like you can't sign him, you can't extend him, you're going to have to give up a lot. For literally like three months and you're gonna have to try and win the cup and then cut ties because that's what happened with Columbus with Duchesne and all those guys you we just saw Duchesne Panarin Bobrovsky bye gone even Dezingle bye all of them gone you know how many picks they got for that oh man like yeah so like this is where you got to start asking if you're New Jersey it's like or not New Jersey like a team that's trading for Hall it's like hey is it really worth it if we trade for Hall and then he just walks. So, Taylor Hall, he's a... Uh, I'm calling it now. When February rolls around, he'll probably be the most talked about player in the league. That's my prediction. Should be. Yeah. But for now, I want to talk about John Carlson. Because he's been by far the best defenseman 
when you look at points, he's at 37 and 28. That that's not sustainable. I don't think it's no, sustainable. It's <laughs> um, is it safe to say right now he's the lock to win the Norris, or would you maybe give more a guy like a Dougie Hamilton, a Drew Doughty? Because Drew Doughty's been he has like 19 points. He's a plus seven on LA, and uh, yeah, is it safe to say Carlson is uh, the Norris winner right now, or would you give Dougie some love? For right now, sure. I'm not stapling that down, though, because it's not even Christmas. But, yeah, we've been talking about him all year. The guy just keeps rolling. He's a power play specialist. He knows his job. He does it well. Doesn't try to do too much. That's a defenseman any single, every single team in the league can use. And uh, seems like he's getting better at, like, 29, 30 years old. So, good for him. Yeah, right now he's a lock. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Burns hasn't really been doing what both you would expect. Both Carlson, of them. like I think Ray has his chance. Carlson this year, I think it's probably the best. Mark Giordano, repeat. No, oh, yeah. back to back. I don't think Dougie will be there, but this this is the best hockey he's played since I've seen him. Yeah, he's been. Yeah, he's looked great. Um, just one more thing before we talk about hoop. Um, talk about goal scorers, and uh, there's a guy named David Pasternak who. Doesn't want to stop scoring. He's got 25 and like 26, 27. Um, we all know Brett Hall's 50 and 50. Can he accomplish his feat in the modern day NHL? Because if he does this, I really don't know what to say about Pasternak. Just make him go first overall at that point in the draft. It's between him and Dreisaitl. How the hell did this guy go 20th and Dreisaitl third? I don't fucking know, but he's got 25 and 26. Second in scoring, we all know who it is. It's Ovechkin, 20, and then McDavid is 19, and then it's Marshawn and McKinnon and all those guys. Is Pasternak, can he hit 50 and 50? And if he does, like, what the hell's next? Because <laughs> uh, I've been saying, remember, remember, July, I said he can get 60 goals. And I was dead serious. I didn't think he'd be this good, 25 and 26. I think I said... Uh... 40 and 40. That's where he is. He's a good player. Like, everyone knew who he was. Everyone, like, not the top tier, but maybe the tier under. He was, like, with the Barkovs and the Rantanins and the Marners, guys like that. I'd agree with that. Yeah, right? Yeah, but he's, uh... I could see him going, like, 50 and 50, honestly. <laughs> like, I fucking hate that team. But the way they're set up with Marshawn and Burke, he's in such a perfect position. He's one of the best finishers in the league. He's the best finisher in the league right now. Um, yeah, I can I can see it over. Uh, I'm not saying like 75 goals, but if he can get in the 60s and be and win the rocket by the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised. Can he do it? Yeah, but will he? No. I'm gonna say that he'll probably hit in the 50 game mark. He'll probably be at like 38. Okay, still, or that's yeah, still, still good. <laughs> but the other player that he plays with on that line, everyone knows what they do, so. I think eventually they're just going to figure out what they're going to do. Slow him down. He'll go on a little slump, but still going to finish the year probably with over 50 goals. They already have a combined... Him and Marshawn have a combined 43 goals already. I think, so Mar- uh, think Marshawn's been better, honestly. Than like Pasternak. Yeah. I think he's been one of the best players in the league. Right after the other two dipshits we talked about. <laughs> well, Marshawn's third in scoring. Basically, those pairings are taking over the NHL right now. Yeah, um, it's safe to say that Pasternak... I remember, was it two years ago? He had, like, 
21 points in like 12 playoff games. Was it? They played us. Yeah, that was when he tore. That was when he tore. He torched us. (laughs) And I remember one of the books saying, "It's like, nah, that playoff is like the real Pasternak. Like he'll be that good." And I kind of looked at that and I'm like. Uh, he's got to share it with Marshawn and Bergeron. He'll probably get like 80 points, nothing more, nothing less. And uh, yeah, him and uh, pa- him and Marshawn are on pace for like 107 points. Marshawn hit 100 last year. He's 31 years old. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, enough's enough already." He will slow down, and he's not fucking slowing down. And it's not like a it's not like a hate thing. Like everyone hates Marshawn, and he can't do this. You just realistically look at it. Like he's getting up there in age. How can he possibly keep climbing up in points and he does every year? The thing that's actually boggled my mind is Bergeron has been injured. Krejci literally went in that role and it hasn't changed at all. They're beautifully structured over there. So like Pasternak and Marshawn, probably the two, one of the scariest offensive players in the league. And then you have a guy like a Bergeron who's either that two-way center or you have Krejci who's that playmaking center who could feed it to both of them. So... So they only have three regulation losses, and they're basically the main reason why. I probably have Pasternak or Marshawn right now in the heart. They're in the heart conversation right now. I'd say it's between Pasternak, McDavid, and probably McKinnon right now as the front runners. But let's just talk about McKinnon because I love him. Show, show him some love. He's got 42 points. He had 30 in the last 15 games, so he's got two points per game the last 15. Would you rank him uh, among the top five in the league? If not, has he passed Crosby? For, like, just best player in general? Yep. Maybe. (laughs) It helps that Crosby hasn't played in a month and Nate's torching the league with a few others. But uh, if it's not this year, like, it's... It's coming. It's going to happen. I think uh, you just mentioned your three. For me, it's Drysaddle, Marshawn McKinnon uh, for right now, best players in the league. He's right there. He's one of the best players in the league, and he will be for the next 10 years. Uh, there's really not much to say about him. Like He really just came to life the last two years when uh, it, it comes to be- becoming a superstar. But people talk about him like he's been doing it for a decade. Calling it now, Duchesne bullied him in the locker room. Oh, it'll come out. The coach's fault. That's why he was playing so bad. <laughs> Couldn't sleep at night. Yeah, okay, well, Alino, who are you, who are you, what are your thoughts on the heart fucking conversation? Like, you have the Edmonton and the Boston, the duos, and then McKinnon and Kane and all these other names. This guy says Drysidle's been better than McDavid. Yeah. It's going to be McDavid, Drysidle, McKinnon. <laughs> and then on that border there, Pasternak. Austin Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't give Marshawn love, man. No, no you can't. You Matthews, can't. I'll take. I think Matthews is uh, kind of under the radar a little bit. Like, you don't really hear all the buzz around him when he plays. Like, he's slowly being a little bit more consistent with his scoring. I think by the end of the year, we're going to see something special with him going into the playoffs with Sheldon Keefe, a guy who's not going to tell the training staff, come in and rank him in his performance compared to his teammates. So, I think this uh, helps his mental health in the dressing room and leads a better product on the ice. Well, we got to now, like, I just want to talk about the Raps. The Raps, they're, like, on a different level right now. Siakam's on a different level. He's been on a different level since the beginning of last year. I, I remember, uh, I'll say again, I think it was in July, the podcast, where we would we started asking questions like, 
can Siakam be a primary scorer on this team? He's answered that question. Can the bench actually score? They've answered that question. Now, the biggest question for me is, what the hell is Terrence Davis's ceiling? Because we've seen Fred Van Fleet come undrafted and do exactly what Terrence Davis is doing right now. So, with this being said, Terrence Davis coming in undrafted, do you guys believe that Terrence Davis can knock Norman Powell out of town by February? Because, man, like last game I watched, he dropped 24 points, and he's a great three-point shooter. Just what are your thoughts on that? I think just like I said with Crosby and McKinnon, if it's not going to happen this year, it'll happen <laughs> next year. Uh, I'm just seeing more consistency out of him for the start of the year. Norm's like he's an amazing athlete, but at times he'll disappear. Davis, every time he's been put into the lineup, he's just a consistent shooter, and he's he's been – it's not like – bitch points when they're up by 20 and they put him into the game like he's playing valuable minutes and he's helping this team so Davis has been a beauty yeah I think so Powell uh, he dropped 33 the other day but he literally did nothing yeah like (laughs) I think it's just a circumstance with the team like once everything everyone comes back gets in their lineup gets their roll back I think next year or the year after we'll see him take that spot but I think right now in his first year with the Raptors See what he does, and then see if he can maintain that the second year, and then you make that decision. But for right now, uh, it looks like the Raptors have one of the deepest benches in the Easter Conference. I was going to say, like, who do you guys think the Raps' biggest surprise has been so far? Because Lowry and Ibaka have been injured for, well, Ibaka's back now, but Lowry's been injured for, what, like a month almost? It's been yeah. like two, three weeks. Um, Fred Van Fleet's been awesome. Uh, I'd say Chris Boucher has been pretty solid, but who's your biggest surprise? Uh, I'm going to say Hollis Jefferson just because I didn't know much about him coming into it. All I really knew is that he was a first-round pick and he didn't really get a fair shake with his last team. So it's kind of a fresh start for him and very energetic player. He's, uh, he jumps up for pretty much every rebound and he's a pretty filthy player. He plays a lot of valuable minutes too for the Raps, so I'll go with him. I'm going to go with a good Canadian kid, Chris Boucher still. I think uh, the best is yet to come for him. I think he's still going to continue that and come playoff time. Marcus saw his days are unfortunately numbered. Yeah, he's in not. the NBA in general too. But Boucher is taking that spot. I, I was gonna say, uh, if you guys can like predict the backcourt like next year, is it safe to say it's Van Fleet Davis? I'm starting to look that way. Because I, <laughs> I don't like a lot of people are saying Powell's a small forward, and I just laugh when people tell me that. It's like no, he's not. He's not a small forward. Come on, he doesn't. He doesn't drive enough. Because he's always he's just that perimeter player, um, and yeah, you would have to go up against guys like Kawhi and Powell, Powell going against Kawhi is just that's hilarious. That's laughable. I'm sorry. Like as a matchup, that's just not that's not ideal for the Raptors. It's not ideal for most players. But I want to just quickly talk about how hot we've been because we've won seven straight. Um, it gets to the point where you start talking about like most improved players, MVPs. Um, OG has been pretty solid, but man, like, Siakam's gone from, like, okay, he had seven points per game two, two years ago. Last year, he averaged 16. He's now averaging 25. And his three-point shot has gone from when he started to set, it was 17% to now 44%. So, I don't know what he's done. He's worked out in the gym. But right now, guys, Siakam, 
we've won seven straight. This guy might be an MVP candidate for me as of right now. And uh, he took a similar stat, like, transition trajectory there as Giannis Atenacumpo. And you know where Giannis is now in that MVP discussion every year, MVP winner. And you know what's going to happen in 2021? Everyone's a free agent on the Raptors, and uh, coincidence, <laughs> so is Giannis and so is Kawhi. So could, I think we could be seeing a potential big three forming. I think Masai's already talking. He got his hands on Giannis in his ear all the time. He helped him get there. I think he owes him that. Realistically, I think, you know what? Do me a solid. Come to the Raptors. We got the Danforth over here. You'll feel right at home. And then Kawhi, bring Uncle Dennis back and say, look, big three, we need you here. Everyone's gone. We have all this cap. Let's do it. I'm not adding to that. <laughs> that, that if that happens... And then the Clippers will look so stupid because all the draft picks for like the next decade that they spent I feel, on Paul George. I feel like Paul George would be the angriest player ever that if good. that were to happen. So yeah, I'm going home with my other boy that's from Cali and then he just goes back to Toronto. And I'm here by myself. I miss the cold winter. And I'm here with Doc Rivers, who's probably spanking me. <laughs> yeah, there's a theme here with coaching and bullying and whatever. But... uh I just want to also talk about uh, Carmelo Anthony because this guy has actually, he just resurged like, out of nowhere. He's like, oh, I'm back, hey. You guys remember me? I'm one of the best scorers of all time. So he comes back. He uh, becomes player of the week, and he makes Portland jump seven spots in the rankings, and they were 3-0 and last week. Pinello, I'm putting it to you. What have your thoughts been on Melo so far? And is this... Because a lot of people say this is like a farewell tour. Do you think this is it for him, or do you think he still has a lot left in the tank? Well, if you ask him that, I think he'll tell you something very different. But for a a 35-year-old player who didn't play last year to come in and do what he's doing, it's kind of amazing. And he's just taken over, and he's showing everyone why everyone fell in love with him in the first place. The uh, the only question for me is if he can uh, sustain that through the rest of the year and you know, lock down that playoff spot and see what they can uh, do going forward. But yeah, he's, he's still got game. I like it. That's the reason why I picked him up in fantasy. Right before he played that first game, I saw him available. <laughs> and then all those like reporters that right there under the updates, kind of trashing it, saying, oh, don't hold your breath. It's just Carmelo Anthony's going to hog the ball. Screw them. Carmelo Anthony's coming in. He's getting his points. I see him uh, playing well after this year. Nice. I, you know what? I uh, I was looking at some stats. Shooting 54% from the field. I think that's the highest he's ever done since the 2012 season when he led the league in scoring for the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, so um, I don't know how high his usage rate is going to be on Portland because we've seen he's actually shot quite a bit the last couple games. But top 10 all time. Oh, yeah. For usage rate, I think he's like fifth all time. I think four players in that draft are in the top ten all time. LeBron, <laughs> Melo, D-Wade, and someone else. Probably not Bosh. I don't think Bosh was. No, but his uh, roll went down after. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, can you guys maybe see Melo maybe causing Lillard to maybe leave Portland? Yes. Not because Melo's going to outball him, but because Melo is a fucking insane personality. Yeah, because like he he can still ball. He's obviously still he's still got it. But at a certain time, you have to accept the role, 
and over the last few years, he hasn't. He has not done that. We no. saw it in Houston. It's just, it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's it's all fun now. It's all good. But after a certain amount of time, just just go out there, play your game, and do what's right for the team. I think it's good that it's only a one-year contract. So uh, they'll see how it goes when Lillard is 100% and McCollum is there and they can work some plays around. But if they see after like a week, because they don't want to screw that up, it doesn't work, they'll maybe look at making him a good rental at the deadline and make him some other team. Calling it now. I'm going to actually make this prediction. I'm going to pull an Alino right now. Uh Carmelo is getting traded to the Lakers for Avery Bradley. I'm calling that. I like it. One for one. I want to see him destroy that dressing room and run Anthony Davis out, (laughs) make LeBron turn on him, and then Carmelo Anthony on his one-year deal, he dips. Can you just imagine (laughs) that, though? Like, that's really showtime, Lakers. Like, that's like... Who's not tuning in? Like, yeah. Like, you have Davis, if Cousins comes back, Carmelo, Danny Green, Quinn, Rajon Rondo, punching guys in the head. Like, it's awesome. And Kawhi on the Clippers, tearing them out and sweeping them in four. Kawhi's been pissing me off lately. That guy doesn't play at all. Why is he not playing? They both take turns every other game. You play this one, I'll set the next one. He's an attraction. (laughs) (laughs) I saw them both play the other day. I'm like, holy shit, is this the first time this year? It's a (laughs) part-timer. Yeah, it was literally, yeah, I remember. It was Beverly, George, Leonard, Harkless, and Zubak. They showed the lineup, and we look at each other, we're like, oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. We're like, okay, they're both playing. They're good. But, uh... I don't know with uh, with Melo. I feel like when all is said and done with Melo, he's that type of player. Like when Dwayne Wade and Dirk, like they they knew last year, like it's our last year. Give us like a chance, but don't give us the ball all the time. Don't make us be the primary ball handler. Like we saw last year, D Wade was not the primary ball handler in uh, in Miami. It was Justice Winslow. And then Dirk, obviously it wasn't. It was obviously Doncic last year. But um, I feel like Carmelo, the older he gets, the more stubborn he gets. So, like, he literally... I don't know why he goes to Portland and he just assumes that he's, like, the main ball handler. When you know you have two absolute gems in McCollum and Lillard. So, it's like, Carmelo, you got to understand that we have you on a one-year deal. We don't have you here long-term. It's fun that you're balling right now, but at the end of the day, we're more committed to Lillard and McCollum than you. So I feel like, like what, spot on what Pinello said, he has to accept his role first, and then we could start, you know, pumping his tires a little more. But for now, that's Carmelo Anthony. He's a fucking legend. And uh, <laughs> hopefully Portland does well because I want to see Lillard actually, actually succeed. But... Talking about bad teams, which is hilarious. Golden State's in dead last, which Pinello said before the paw went up air. That's bullshit. Can you uh, please explain further? Because I want to hear a little rant from you. Well, I mean, it's really not uh, not as in-depth as you think. You just look at their team and you see all the injuries and they're you're all not still... A- you're not angry enough. They're all under contract, okay? <laughs> they're going to get the fucking first overall pick probably, or they're going to be right there. They're going to get a hot shot player, and then Curry's going to come back, and Russell's going to come back, and Clay's going to come back, and then they're going to be in the fucking finals next year. So that's why I think it's bullshit. It's just a lucky year for the... went to the finals last year with the Raps. They're going to be bottom feeders this year, and they're going to be right back to the top next year. Yeah. Who the fuck does that? <laughs> 
I guarantee you right now, Curry's not even injured. I'm calling no, that right now. It's like, oh, it's, like, it's like, oh, yeah, it says I broke my wrist, but no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah, okay. Surgery went well. Just has a cast. I can't show you the scar, though. It's there. Don't worry. <laughs> just, just trust me on this. It did, like, Steve Kerr's coming out. Oh, yeah, Clay could play, but we're not going to play him all year. He's done. <laughs> like, what? what? <laughs> if I'm Clay Thompson and I hear that, I'm going to be like, fuck you. You don't want me to play? I want to play. Like, Oh no, we're just gonna sit you. Uh, Eric Pichal is our number one target right now. He's it's like, what? What the fuck? What happened to this team? I remember I was watching it like two weeks ago. I'm looking, I'm looking at the starting lineup. I'm like, Trey Burke or Alex Burke, Eric Pichal, Glenn Robinson the uh, third, Kevon Looney. I'm like, how bad is your team? You guys went from having all stars to just nothing. So now, of course, you have LaMelo Ball, you have the, the Wiseman guy, you have that other guy. They're, this draft is supposed to be really good, by the way. So, you know, yeah, let's just tank for LaMelo Ball. He'll be maybe our fifth option next year behind Curry, Thompson, Russell, if they don't, if they keep Russell. Ah, maybe they won't. Maybe they will. I don't fucking know. There's already rumors that Irving's going back to Ball. I love the NBA. It's just, it's just a mess. Like... Oh, yeah. Um, was it? They faced the Celtics. Oh, yeah. Irving was injured, and Kemba scored 39. He came back from the neck injury. And all of a sudden, right after, I see articles. It's like the Boston reception for Irving was so welcoming that he's open to going back. <laughs> it's like, what? You were the main reason <laughs> people wanted you out, and now they want you back. Because you were injured and dabbing up all the players after the game. Oh, I miss you, man. It's like good what they you. always do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's one thing I, I hate about the NBA after the game's over. They go up to everyone and they just hug. And, oh, it was good, yeah. It's like during the game. Like There's 20 seconds left and they're running out the clock and they start high-fiving. Like, the fucking game's still on. <laughs> You're down 30, but the game's still on. <laughs> I don't know. Alina, what are your thoughts on the Warriors? They nailed it because I don't think they're all like long-term IR candidates over here. I think they're using uh, this whole thing to evaluate their team. Who's going to stay on next year? Probably like two spots. Next year, everyone's going to go back to Golden State. All the veterans on the one-year deal. They didn't get the hot shot first overall pick. And uh, I think they're doing this purposely because they're in debt. Uh, they got a new building in San Francisco. They moved from Oracle. And uh, they got to pay some bills. And the only way to do that is if you have success. So this is going to help them do that next year. They're going to fill it out, be a good draw, get everyone to watch on TV. And they'll be back to normal for Steph Curry and the rest of the Golden State Warriors. I actually feel bad for Stephen A. Smith. Because, man, he he's a Knicks fan at heart. And... <laughs> He's such a person. He's just, he's amazing. Like, he's so entertaining. We all know what happened when, when they signed Randall. And they, I think it was Max Kellerman gave him a KD Knicks jersey, like a custom made. And then he taped Randall on it. And he's like, I don't fucking want this shit. Like, get, get, get. And now, right now, the Knicks are probably worse than they were last year. And Golden State is literally trolling the Knicks. And it's like, oh, you think you're bad? Oh, we're fucking shit. We went to the finals last year, but we could just turn to being the worst team ever. Like, realistically, they, that might have been when I was watching Golden State that night. 
That might have been the worst starting five that I've ever seen because I literally, I don't, I'm not going to say I know a lot about basketball, but I know enough players. And when I see a starting five and I don't know any of them, it's like, wh- what went wrong? What, what happened? And then you see Curry, the wrist, Clay, his ACL, Draymond's injured every other game with a random ass injury. Oh, my finger. Oh, my finger's fucked. I can't play next game or maybe eight games after that. I'm just going to sit. Look, Cauley Stein sucks. Uh, he's not the player that he was supposed to be. I'm sorry. I, I like saying that. I'm very open about my things. I say they suck. They suck. That's it. That's. I'm like an old dog. I'm very, you know. Says it how it is. But I like it. I'm just wanna, I just want to say one more thing. Philly. This guy was bashing Ben Simmons yesterday. <laughs> if you're Philly and you have the team they have now, the starting five they have now, are you trusting that process or are you trading a Simmons and an Embiid down the line? Because I can't see them winning with this team. That's risky. That's very risky. Who, who do you want to trade for, though? That's the... You need a shooter. They, they can't shoot. That team cannot shoot. Only guy that's good at shooting is Richardson. I want to like Simmons. I told you last night, I really want to love him. But, like, you go for a jumper three feet away from the rim and you fucking, like, the crowd is just dead as he goes up to shoot because it's a foregone conclusion that he's not getting it in. When that fan base has that idea of your first overall pick from three years ago or something like that. Yeah. That's embarrassing. How do you go first? It's just baffling to me that you're a first overall pick that can't even score inside the paint. It's uh, you barely put up ten points a game. It's it's just about athleticism at that point. I think I think they looked at it and they're like, he's the best athlete in the draft. That's why I <laughs> we're gonna love draft him. He's him. got it all. But the one, the main thing, you can't do. <laughs> well, I hope he gets it together because Giannis has slowly started getting it together with the three point shooting. But again, what the hell is with some of these NBA players? Their free throw percentages are abysmal. Like, Giannis is averaging more points per game this year, more rebound, like more everything than he did last year in his MVP year. And his free throw percentage has gone from 72% last year to 60% this year. That's like fucking me going outside, getting a nail, and putting it in my tires and seeing it just deflate. Because how do your numbers deflate that bad? At the free throw line. How does it go down 11%? How? That's it. I don't care. Like, you could shoot as many threes as you want. You could maybe make one of five. But if I see you air ball three free throws in a game, <laughs> I'm like, like, that was like you with Ben Simmons with the shooting, me with Giannis with the free throw. I'm just baffled. Like, I see him and I'm watching it and he's. There's no one guarding him. Just a little shot, and he airballs two in a row. And I'm just like, man, how the fuck do you do that? And then, like, a, the play later, he'll, dr- he'll, he'll drain a three, and someone's hand will be in his face. And it's like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> so at this point in time, like, free throw percentage is probably the least, the least worried about stat in the league. I'd, I'd say usage rate is more important than free throw percentage right now. Because when you talk about free throw percentage, everyone's like, oh, 78% is good. And it's like, 
is is it really good though? Seventy eight. Like when you're when you're in school and you get a you know you get a paperback and it's like a what's usually good for you? An A, right? A plus, eighty percent, eighty percent and up is usually thumbs up. Seventy eight's possible, I guess. Like it's good, but sixty percent. If I'm getting that on the test, I'm like, <laughs> shit, I could have done better. But that's my question with Giannis is he's got everything, everything. Same with Drummond, everything. And your free throw percentage is just nowhere to be found. So this is my question to you guys. If his free throw percentage went up to like 75%, what the fuck would his numbers be? <laughs> would it be averaging like 40 and 16? He'd be a first overall pick. That's exactly what he would be. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 60% of from the free throw is just... He's that's just, awful. Yeah, he's not... I mean, people talk about him like he's the best player in the league already. So if that were to go up, I, I really can't even imagine. <laughs> that's my... Okay, if someone were to ask me who's your, who do you think is the best player in the league right now, and if someone were to say Giannis, and they would back up all the stats... I would literally look at them and be like, yeah, he's the best player in the league, eh? So does the best player in the league shoot 60% from the free throw line? And if they say, oh, well, that that, that stat doesn't really matter, but well, they're easy fucking points that you should be getting. <laughs> and you make 60% of them. And I don't know I don't know if it's because he takes a lot. Like, I don't know. How many free throws do you think he averages a game? 10? Yeah, that's fair. point guard, yes. Yeah, because he, 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 he drives all the time. And he gets the fouls, but 60% to me is just a head scratcher. I just look at a guy like him and it's like, why are you not shooting 75%? Even Kawhi, like, basically same build. He's, he's what, 87% from the free throw usually? How the hell are you 27% better than him? Uh, that's just, that's a stat that I feel like coaches, they don't take seriously. Because I remember my dad always used to tell me when he used to play, their coaches used to say, hey, you're not leaving this the you're not leaving the gym until you hit 50 free throws. Ooh. So you would always have to hit 50 free throws and then you leave the gym. I feel like coaches nowadays they don't really focus on free throws. Is that do you guys believe in that or do you, maybe that's just me? I don't really know. Just um, focus on getting threes and that's it. Literally. <laughs> don't like, worry about the free throws. That is the game now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just for me that's a mind-boggling stat. Like I was looking at his stats the other day cuz I have them in all my fucking fantasy pools. <laughs> And I'm just looking at the free throw, and I'm like, you're down 11% from last year. What? How? And it's like, yeah, um, uh, his uh, attempts, I think, are up by, like, 0.2, which is still – that's not even that much more. Nothing. But, yeah, like, when, I, when I literally witnessed him airball two in a row, I'm like, this guy's literally like Shaq at the free throw line. Maybe not as bad, but that was my little rant there. Um, now I guess we get to – start talking about wrestling. Um, Alino, I want to throw it to this guy because this guy knows all the deets with AEW, NXT, the ratings. I don't really know. I don't know. All I know is NXT's kicking their ass. That's all I know. Yeah. This uh, past week, 200,000 was the difference. NXT, the third brand in WWE on USA Network, beat AEW, who's on TNT and being advertised all over the place, NBA on TNT with Shaq, Kenny, and Barkley. And on TSN, you got Chris Jericho with Jay and Dan. Yeah. And you still <laughs> lose to NXT 
who in their eyes, like they were saying, is developmental. It was ECW back in 2009, 2008. They did say that, yeah. So if that's the case, what's AEW doing? I, I said, did I say it last week or two weeks ago? I don't feel like... I feel like they've hit a wall. They've literally hit a wall. I've seen Darby Allen face Jericho for the title. That was really good. I just feel like this inner circle thing, it's gonna be like, it's already been really hot, but it's really gonna cool down very quickly. Even the Young Bucks and like the Lucha Bros, I really don't know what their role is long-term. I don't even think they know what their role is long-term. And I don't know. I just feel like they're not meshing on a week-to-week basis. That's why the the ratings have gone from nine hundred thousand to what six six hundred thousand. They've lost like three hundred thousand views. So it's definitely not Jericho because he's the guy that was put in this position because of publicity. He's the most well-known guy. He will bring the fans. The cat, like you know, like perfect example. Like my brother, the other day he saw. Um, he saw like a you know like the little ad at the bottom, oh, yeah. and he's and he like looked. He's like, oh, is that Chris Jericho with the long hair? I'm like, yeah, like he he's he's known as like that, the pain maker, like whatever. And he's like, oh shit, yeah. He's like, that's pretty cool. Like, and I'm like, okay, so that's basically why they gave him the title for instances like that. But yeah, I feel like they've they've actually hit a wall, and it's baffling because they have unreal talent there. That's basically all I have to say. I just feel like they've hit a wall. Uh, yeah, the question really has been, can they do it for uh, for a week-to-week basis? Because, like, you look at AEW and you look at all the talent there and you're like, yeah, there's no way they can go wrong. It's it's just a matter of, you know, week-to-week, it's a different story. And WWE's been doing it forever, and that's, that's the best model to follow. So um, I'm not worried about them because the no. talent's there. They're, they're basically learning on the fly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, NXT's been having their number. If, if you're going to look at it that way... I don't know if that's really fair because, you know, NXT, they, the morale there, it's, it's just different. They've been going for a long time, and Triple H is running it, and he's been in the business for a while. It's I wouldn't worry about AEW, but for now, it's a bit of a rocky the only The only thing I'm thinking why they would be so much better right now than AEW is just because of the impact they had at Survivor Series. And I think a lot of fans are, like, literally thinking, oh, NXT came in, and they literally fucked up. Raw and SmackDown, so why why not just tune um, in and remember the first week they beat them in the ratings and they're like, oh, they had to bring Becky and and all these people to NXT just to beat AEW. I'm like, that's the Survivor Series promo build. Like, relax <laughs> with the ratings, focus on the actual story. I just feel like um, when AEW first came to be, they were really focused on battling WWE, like. They were, remember, like, Cody came out, made fun of the game. Like, if you're a wrestling promotion, don't worry about the competition. We've been saying this for years. TNA, they could have probably been way more successful if they didn't really care about WWE. Like, they got all the WWE guys, but I feel like when it when it was all said and done, they would always look back, oh, what did WWE do? Remember, Aces and Eights sounded yeah. kind of a lot like the Nexus. So, I feel like the Inner Circle sounds kind of a lot like the Undisputed Era. Like you know what I mean? Like there's just some things that I look at, like the inner circle. It's like you don't like the sex gods. I no no I do, but it's like Jericho to me did not need all this shit. He didn't need these guys. Are you kidding me? He doesn't need swagger. He doesn't need Guevara. He doesn't need those guys. I'm sorry. They need 
him. Maybe that's the whole thing then. He's boosting up the younger talent. But here's my thing. Who the fuck is Jericho going to face for the title? He beat Cody Rhodes because of MJF. Who's the next in line? Moxley. Is Moxley a heel? Uh, Yes. That's a good question. He does whatever he wants. And people are on board. Here's here's the thing. If Moxley wins the AEW title, I feel like then the viewership will go up. Because Moxley's a name everyone knows, and Moxley... I'd say he's probably the... Would you say he's probably the best in AEW when you look at, like, star power? Would you say he's he's up there? He's top star power. It's still Jericho. But um, he's right there. You can argue it recently. Because, like, when he left WWE, the hottest thing going on was him. By far. And By that, far. Yeah, that's still going on. Because he pops in, like, every other week, and the crowd goes fucking wild when it happens. So I think that's the next feud. Yeah, why not? Yeah, like, I... <laughs> I really don't know. Um, Page had his turn. Yeah, exactly. Page had his time. You thought he would win. Um, yeah, you thought he'd be the bear, right? Like for AEW, like you thought think he'd... he uh, still. It, I think that's still the plan. Yeah, I, I mean, think yeah. it should be Kenny though. That's like. That's another that's reason. That's topic. another reason why I think AEW is kind of they've hit a wall. They don't know what to do with their star guys. Like Kenny Omega, he's come in. They're playing him as this underdog guy that never wins. And it's like, you've been the best wrestler for three years in a row. (laughs) Do what you've been doing. (laughs) That's it. You don't have to change anything. I know, like, obviously storylines and all that. But when he lost to Pac, and then they ended up doing fuck all with him. I'm like, what the fuck? Why did you make Omega lose to Pac? And then Pac literally didn't get a push for the title. So, for me... It's all about structure. They don't really know where to structure these superstars yet. Like, Cody Rhodes got his shot already. I feel like he shouldn't have got it before Pac. That's my opinion. Um, Kenny Omega is another guy that hasn't gotten it yet. Um, I think if Moxley gets it, then I guarantee you that is going to be the feud for the belt. It will be Omega and Moxley going at it. But for now, like, there's so many guys. Like, Marco Stunt, like, I don't know what the hell his role is. Um... Love Marco. The tag, the, the, tag, the tag team division is great. Orange Cassidy is like a comedic guy every week. Um, I really don't know what to... Yeah, like for me, their identity is their biggest problem. Yeah. And their consistency is their biggest problem. And um, if they're going to keep looking at WWE for like ideas, storyline ideas, anything like that, because we all know Cody came from Vince, it happens. Um I think everyone comes through Vince at some yeah. point. Yeah, but <laughs> y- you, you can't have the same mindset as him. If you're going to make your own wrestling promotion, you got to try and be unique and do something different. So right off the gate, he came out. He made fun of Triple H. It's all fun and games, but at the end of the day, you really didn't have to do that. I mean, if that – again, it's smart because he might have got more publicity for doing that. But, again, at the end, WWE wins because they also get publicity when you do that. So you're also helping out your competition. So the more you avoid WWE and talking about them, I think it's better for AEW in the long run. They also need more wrestlers. Like how many times are you going to see Pac and Hangman Page wrestle every week and Darby Allin facing Moxley? Or like, You need to sign some more free agents to your roster. Take advantage of Ring of Honor being like a mess with their management get some of their stars, go after, like, 
New Japan, former relationship with them. That seems to be like a big rumor. I don't know. They just... I think they always talk about TNA. Oh, it was a disaster when uh, the Young Bucks were bringing that up. TNA were drawing over a million a week. Close to two million. I think sometimes even got two million. And that was on Spike TV. Nobody watched fucking Spike TV. It was just a channel that reruns cops. Just a like, one-hour show, too, yeah. at the time. With Kurt Angle, AJ, Samoa Joe. Like, they built their stars, and then it went downhill after with the Aces and Eights stuff, but... They took advantage of it at that time, and it worked out. I think AEW needs to get a loaded roster. They kind of have the same guys doing the same matches, flipping around all over the place. Because then once you see it four or five times in the month, pay-per-view time, it gets old. Yeah, I want to see more from their women's division, too. Because I'm also seeing the same people being rolled out every week. Even on AEW Dark, it's always Ali and uh, Sadie Gibbs. And Penelope Ford, and it's just like a tag match or a triple threat, and they're all just thrown together. And like, it's, I know there's more people. Like, where are they? <laughs> like again, even uh, talking about programs down the line, you can't. There's always a mold for wrestling. There's WWE, which is the be-all end-all company that you should follow. And there's AEW, TNA, New Japan. New Japan's actually. Well, I'd say it's almost as big as WWE nowadays because Japan is... It's a different world. It's one, it's one yeah. of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest nations for wrestling. Um, just with AEW, they, yeah, like, they need more star power. That's the first thing. Another problem that they have that I feel like they do too much, they look at the, the disgruntled guys in WWE, and I feel like sometimes they just beg them. Like, I get, like... Uh, from a business standpoint, Cody, you know, like you have to like, you know, you have to interact with other people, you know, like it's a business. You have account managers, you have all these other people, communications. But at the end of the day, if you're going to go and you're going to message like an Akira Tozawa and be like, are you not happy in WWE? Do you want to come to AEW and, and, you know, face Marco Stun in a ladder match and do eight flips or whatever? Like, I don't know. Or like, okay, instead of him, maybe like a Kalisto, be like, hey, are you not happy in the Lucha House Party? I know it's a shit gimmick. Like... I'll, like, I'll put you with the Lucha Bros or something. And then I just feel like if you're reaching out to WWE all the time, at the end of the day, it's just going to it's gonna fuck you over. Because like I just said, don't focus on your competition. Focus on yourself. And uh, I don't know like how TNA is doing with, in terms of uh, star power. I know like Tessa, she's, yeah. she's the best she woman. I'd, I'd say she's the best woman in all of wrestling. I think Sammy um, Callahan's one of the best things going over the last year or two. Yeah, he's he's been great as well. Um, I just feel like AEW should try and stay away from WWE as much as possible. I know it's hard because, again, NXT and AEW, they're Wednesday shows and they're always going to go at it. But just try and not bring up WWE as much as you can. That's my opinion. Like, even with the Britt Baker incident. Like, you think... Like, she's just going to support Adam Cole. You don't have to, like, make a big deal and put her on the screen and, like, troll AEW. Like, you, I don't know. That's just my opinion. Like, WWE and AEW right now are too... They're too close to each other. And I feel like AEW would just be a little better if they just step over. Just a little bit. I think what they should do, had the opportunity before Impact Wrestling went to Access TV, they should have bought them out. They could have all their wrestlers come in, their management, like Scott Demore, who has a good reputation. Their video library is probably like, aside from WWE, that's probably the most 
attractive thing you can buy most valuable probably worth more than the company itself with all the wrestlers i'd rather just get that video library their whole global wrestling network and then you have all those matches that you can use that all those guys are in wwe watch for them when they were in their prime but you have to go on AEW, whatever the hell they want to call it and then you have all their guys come over because if you're gonna just get like the Zack Ryders of the world and Sean Spears, like they'll be good for a one pop thing, but where are you going long term with them? That's the only problem. Like that, like that's why the only reason I think AEW is in the position they're in right now is they took full advantage of of Ambrose, like Moxley. Like they took full advantage. They knew he wasn't happy after the tricep injury. He came out with the sirens and all that and the face mask, and it was cool at first, and then. He, he won the IC title, and then he dropped it, and then he was supposed to feud with Nia Jax, and he's like, fuck that, I'm not doing that. And then he, <laughs> that's the drug. And, the and, then he, and then he dipped. So, um, yeah, like you said, like with Sean Spears going over to AEW and guys like Diamond Dallas Page and Bret Hart and all these other legends, they got to cool it with that. Um, if, you're gonna, if, you're gonna try, if you're gonna try and get a star from WWE, you gotta start with the Usos. That's like that's the team I'm looking at, but again, just and Naomi too. They need a woman you just, star. Uh, Where are they? Yeah. It's tough for AEW because like a lot of the talent comes from WWE, but you don't know how they're gonna be. Like Sean Spears when he went to AEW and he had that match with Cody Rhodes, everyone's like, Sean Spears is gonna have his moment. This is it. He's gonna finally break out as that wrestler, that single star, and he had that match. And he was aligned with Tully Blanchard, and then nothing. So again, like Alino said, you could sign a guy like a Zack Ryder or a Sean Spears to like a one-time pop, but really, that's only gonna get you that rating for that night, and it's not gonna make it consistent. So you gotta sign more stars. And I feel like right now, guys like Darby Allen, they're great, but they're not stars. They're not well-known enough. They're not, like, okay, Darby Allen's what, 22 years old? Like, he's got time, but a lot of guys in AEW, they're not well known enough, and I feel like that's also another big X for AEW. They, you know, I like what they're doing because they have a group of guys there that are like our age or younger than us. That uh, you look long term and you just kind of think, okay, MJF, Darby Allen, this is the future of our company. It's just, Hang how are we going to get people to care going forward? And how don't we piss them off so then WWE takes them when they're mainstream stars? I don't blame <laughs> them though for for calling up other companies. It's like other. Fucking the Leafs. Like, I want this player. Call them. Go harass them. So if they call WWE, be like, hey, what's this guy's contract? What's his deal? Like, I don't I don't see a problem with that. Mooch, not... You can go around a little more. Don't fucking steal everyone from WWE like TNA did. But I have nothing wrong with them banging on their door saying, hey, when's Buddy's deal up? <laughs> go after John Cena. <laughs> I, uh, another thing, too, with AEW, like, before we'll, we'll like, get off of here. It's been pretty long. Um... It's just like with Moxley, Pac, Omega, all these stars. Like, I don't really know who who would be the biggest star right now if you thought like to leave WWE and go to AEW and actually be successful. Because Sean Spears did it; he's not successful, at least not yet. No, he's not going there. Randy's not <laughs> going. Randy now. is not going there. He's he's, he's a funny guy. He trolled them. <laughs> um, yeah, who do you guys think could go there and actually be a star though? Like, not that one-off pay-per-view match like we saw with Goldust already and Sean Spears. EC3. Oh, that's a good one. But you think he'll be a star there, not just a one-off? Yeah, you know why? Because they'll give him the mic. 
and that's his biggest fucking suit, and it's the one thing that whoever's in charge of whatever didn't give to him. Yeah. Here's a red cup. Try to sell it. I like it. EC3 comes to mind. Uh, A lot of guys, too. Like, look at SmackDown. Shinsuke. Yeah, Shinsuke, Cesaro, Rusev, Bobby Lashley. I think Cesaro's on everyone's list. Yeah. (laughs) Sheamus is coming back. That'd be a good one, but he's a little older. He's in his 40s. And then if you're looking at T-Impact, Brian Cage, I think would be one. Tessa Blanchard, obviously. She has to be the main target. I'm so happy that they didn't buy out Impact. Yeah, because I, I honestly think like they've been great. They got the best fucking management there. They That's have what some, they need. not no pun intended for Tessa Blanchard, but they have some diamonds there in Impact Wrestling. It's a shame that they're <laughs> they're they're on a platform, but not as big as you'd hope. What would you say their their viewership is like? 500, 400? Oh, probably less. Oh. Probably like two hundred, three hundred. Okay, but even like go other organizations. You got New Japan. Like Okada for sure. If he were to go there, that's means that's a lot of buzz he'll get because he's well known even from like a casual fan. Pro wrestling tees. Nick Aldis too. That'd be a huge one. Marty Skrull. Yeah, I think he's going there. I think uh, Major League Wrestling is. Yeah, that's another one. Building some serious buzz. They're just after like the WWE, AEW, Impact, and then you get into that. Like the YouTube. Uh, NWA. Yeah. <laughs> they get a very big crowd, NWA. Yeah. Like, it's lots buzzing right now. Yeah. People should be looking out. It's uh, it's actually been on a high wrestling the last, like, what, year, two years? It's been, been on a high. Fucking be- young bucks. It, well, <laughs> people, people still look at it as a subculture, but it's definitely an entertain. It's a fucking sport. I don't give a shit what anyone says. Sports entertainment. Ah, um, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically what we had to say with AEW and WWE. <laughs> Jesus, we're, we weren't bashing AEW. We were actually pretty... Constructive. We were pretty constructive. Yeah, yeah that's basically it. Uh, do you guys think Moxley's going to win? I think I think it's happening. Yes. I think he, sh- he is, but I think it should be Kenny to take the belt. But here's my biggest question, though, after... Cause I'll just end with this. Like, when Jericho loses the belt, is he still going to be, like, the same star, you think? Like let like let's say like let's say he uh, he loses the belt, takes a leap of absence because he's done that before. <laughs> we know he's done that, Fozzie. Um, do you see him coming back as like a face and being as big a star? Yeah, we've seen it so many times. Like, doesn't have to be a face; he could still be a heel. But the guy is so fresh, he's so creative. Whenever he leaves, he comes back and. Everyone's immediately invested because he's so entertaining. So I'm, Chris Jericho is the least of my worries. That guy will always deliver. Regardless. What, what do you think? What would you do if he came back with the scarf and the list in AEW? Probably shit my pants from laughing so hard. Yeah, I think they should do that. Have the inner circle when he loses the title. Have the inner circle turn on him. Maybe MJF becomes a leader. I don't think Sammy Guevara is at that level yet, but no. you never know. He's MJF. a lot old. He's a lot older than yeah. He's he, like thirty almost. <laughs> He looks 19. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I'd have Jericho come back like four months later as a face and challenge that guy. Get away from the title picture, though, because I think, give it time, build someone else. Who's going to be AEW champ first, Hangman or Darby Allen? Ooh. I'll go Hangman there. Hangman, yeah. I wouldn't doubt Darby. <laughs> Is he going to bring the skateboard with the title on it and barbed wire on the edge? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's basically it. Do you guys want to talk anything else? Like the Rusev shit, the belts, the fiend, anything? No. 
Brock going on a hiatus till January. Bye. As it's good expected. seeing you. No, he's actually gone. Yeah, like he. Oh, it's only a month we've dealt with worse. Oh yeah, I know. I, I, I'm <laughs> not mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at Brock. <laughs> Brock has done his best shit this year in a long Have time. Have you seen Raw? I don't blame him. <laughs> it's like you want to be backstage waiting on fucking Rusev and Bobby Lashley to get hanged. The best. Up. The best was uh, the update yesterday I got on Twitter. I think Alino got the same one. Raw is supposed to be shit tonight. Oh yeah, that's an update I get. I look at it. I'm like. When's it been good? <laughs> look at him like, all right. I open the fucking thing. Raw is supposed to be worse than usual tonight. Oh, it's like, oh. And I'm like, why? And the source was a Reddit user. <laughs> I'm like, what? A Reddit user. All right, let's. Confirmed. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, though. The Rusev segment last night was all, like, is he? A, he's a face, right? He's, he's not a, a heel. He's okay. A he does. He does heel shit. He's yeah. fucking hilarious. Well, he's trying to get back at Bobby for stealing his wife. Everyone's on board with it. <laughs> oh, fucking Rusev Day. Can he just get the title already? He's been he's been behind like the crowd's been behind him for so long. You know what? Sorry, that's a guy that can also benefit from leaving. Yeah. yeah. Keep, keep get, going. get out. Rusev, go to AEW and just get out. Get out. It just clicked in my head. I'm like, Rusev's getting shafted hard. Any, yeah. Not even AEW, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I would say ever since the title match yet with AJ last year, that's when you. That's when I literally looked at Rusev and I'm like, yeah, man, you could hang with the big guys. Like, you're a main eventer. And then ever since, he, he's been flip-flopping. It's like, yeah, you're the U.S. champ. And then you lose it two weeks later to, Sh- to Shinsuke. And then you turn heel and you're with Shinsuke. And then nothing. And it's like... Man, this guy's a main event player. Why are you putting him in programs with his wife all the time? It just doesn't. I look. I love Lana. She's great to look at. But an amazing manager. Why the fuck Money is why does Rusev always get shafted? Why not like uh, Seth Rollins? <laughs> why, why, why not why not him get shafted with a Becky storyline? Oh wait, it's Becky Lynch. It's not Lana. But Rusev though, please can WWE just not fuck up with him for once? Because they finally, right now they're doing it right with The Fiend. Knock on wood. Hope they don't fuck that up. But, like, Bray Wyatt's been great. Brian's been great. You know, coming back. Rusev, what do you guys think? Do you think he could beat out a guy like an AJ Styles? Or, because I know he's not beating Brock Lesnar. <laughs> do you guys see him, like, leaving at all? Because I see it. Uh, yeah. He should be a WWE champion by now. That's yeah. my... I think we all thought he'd be around there by now. I think him and Big E have uh, similar paths. The New Day kind of saves them, but like, when you kind of look at their- yeah, You expect it yeah. more, right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he's like, I don't know with Rusev. There are a lot of guys that you think are right there and you think they're gonna go over the hump and then they just kind of kill it after and don't do anything with them. Cesaro is another name. Yeah, Cesaro, uh, they pulled the rug under you. Yeah. Half, the, half their fucking guys, really. Drew McIntyre. Oh, man. Oh, man. He'll show up here and there to squash someone, then disappear. And, oh, it's nice to see you, buddy. How about that guy? What's his name? Uh, Braun Strowman? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's another one. <laughs> yeah. Pull the rug. It's like, yeah. oh, you're going to face Brock and Kane. <laughs> no, you're not going to win. Oh, you're going to face Brock? No, you're not going to win. Oh, you're going to face Roman a whole year. You're going to look great. We're going to build you up. And you're just going to lose to 1F5. That's it. And then you're going to face Tyson Fury at a live event in Saudi Arabia. It's going to knock you the fuck out. You're going to count it out. And you're going to fucking sell it, okay? Mr. Big 7 Feet Galoop. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Strowman. I'm done talking about Strowman. 
basically it um, for this week's pod. We're going to end on a negative note for once. Nope. But, uh, but yeah, we had Babs in the studio today. It was friggin' entertaining. Love seeing Babs. He looks he looked all red in the face, flushed, looked pissed off. Same color as the Red Wings fucking jerseys. He definitely wants to deck Chelios. Pretty sure they're around the same age, too. It's a fair fight. <laughs> so if, they're both if, in shape. They like to be fit. I mean, I mean, I mean, Chel- Chel- Chelios, he gets a spray tan every other day, and then you have Babcock, who does his, his walks around the fucking arena. So they're both in shape, and if they were to fight, that'd be fucking hilarious. But shout out to Johan Franzen. Beauty. <laughs> That's it for this week.